you get a brand new family. Amen. And of course, you know my story that I was an orphan when I was 15. But, you know, I've never thought of myself as an orphan because when I got saved, I got a brand new father. Amen. Uh, and so I've never really felt alone in that. You know, a lot of people, they, they lose their parents and they, they spend much of their life feeling alone. I've never really felt alone, at, you know, in that. You know, I know that I sense the loss of my parents uh, because they're gone. But I've never, you know, a lot of people just kind of sit around lonely and feel sad. And I, I never really feel that way at all because the, the presence of the Father in my life has always been so real. Uh, and, you know, and, and, uh, and really uh, I feel closer to him than I've ever felt to, to my real uh, family just because he's on the inside of me and he, he's with me everywhere that I go. Amen. Uh, and so, so I just want to testify about that. So, Mr. Lou, you have, you have. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, he's, you said he lost his uh, leg when he was 14, right? I didn't realize it was, he was that young when he lost his leg. Um, and so, and I did get to meet uh, Chris's granddad. Uh, he was, uh, uh, I think it was really close to the end of his life, but I did get to meet him. He was uh, bedridden at that point in time. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, and I've heard a lot of things about uh, her granddad, and they've always been good things, you know, that uh, he was... Uh, he was uh, a real good man and um, stayed the course all the love the Lord, stayed the course all of his life. Uh, and so uh, and love uh, preaching the word. Right. He just witnessed everybody. And and so uh, so he it sounded like he was a great fellow. And and I look forward to meeting him in, in detail when we get to heaven. Right. Get to talk to him, hear all kinds of stories. Amen. And so any, anybody else. Yeah. 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 Is it possible to have a wise daughter? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, for me, one of the things I appreciate about having kids is. Um, of course, you don't have to have kids to know this, but uh, it, it does help. Um, is having kids helps me to understand how much the father loves me, because uh, you know I'd do anything for my kids. You just you know I won't compromise uh, for my children, but I would do anything, give them anything, you know, and um, uh, do anything that they need if they need anything. You know, hundred percent, always glad to help, uh, and. Um, uh, and love them, you know, with all, with all that's in me. I, I love all my kids. And, and, you know, if I love them that much, you know, the Bible says, how much more does the Father love me? 
you know, you know, I think about how much I love my kids and the Father and, and the Word of God says, you know, that's not even comparable to how much the Father loves you, which is hard to comprehend because, I mean, you know, for those who have children, you know, right, you'd do anything for them, anything in the world, you know, everything you have uh, is theirs. Uh, and um, uh, if they ever needed assistance, you know, you'd be uh, 100% glad to help them, you know, 1,000% glad to help them. <clears throat> how much more does the Father love you? Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and, you know, you really... Uh, until you have your own children, you never really appreciate that. Uh, you know, you could, I think by faith you could if you spend enough time with the Lord. Uh, but it just really makes it, uh, you get a lot of insight about how much the Lord loves us. You know, that uh, it was easy for him to send the Lord Jesus. It wasn't hard. He didn't begrudge it. Uh, he looked out on the earth and said, you know, uh, my children need to have a way to heaven. Amen. Uh, and was glad to send Jesus. Amen. So. Praise God. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, that's all right. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and happy Father's Day, Edward. So, glad you're here too. Amen. Uh, and so, all right. Praise God. Well, let's see. Well, uh, well, all the all the dads and all the uh, all the men of the church. Uh, we'll just uh, greet each other for just a minute. And as we're greeting each other, go back and uh, find you something here on the back table there. Just help yourself, and, um, uh, and then we'll get into praise and worship. Amen. And Father, long before you sent Jesus, you planned all the works of redemption. You looked out of all the, the things that mankind was dealing with with sickness and disease and worry and threats and wars and rumors of wars and all the pain and anguish that mankind suffers. And so after having reviewed all of those things, you sent the Lord Jesus to take care of all of those things. Father, the Lord Jesus took care of not just our sin, but everything, Father. We have a right to live free from sickness and disease and free from the anguish of of thoughts and anguish of, of enemies, Father. We can live free from condemnation, free from guilt, Father. Free from second thoughts and the thoughts that others try to put upon us. Father, we have such a right to be free because Jesus paid for everything. And so, Father, we can declare with all faith that it is well with our soul. It's well, Father, because Jesus has taken care of everything for us. So, Father, we can live a life of freedom. Father, a life that's free from yesterday and free from uh, the worries of tomorrow. Free from the, the pain and anguish of sin, Father. And free, Father, from the pain and anguish of sickness and disease. Father, you declared in your word that it was, it was for freedom's sake that Christ set us free. You just wanted us to be free from everything. No chains, Father, no, no corruption of, of things that hold us in bondage, of thoughts and actions in the past, Father. And no bondage, Father, from bad habits or things that we ought not do, Father, that we struggle with each and every day. We have a right to be free from those things because you want us to be free. So, Father, we are 100% free to choose each and every day to follow you with gladness of heart, Father, because you've done so much for us. And so, Father, we thank you for these things. And, 
Father, we just declare one more time that it is well with our soul. Father, our souls are at ease. Our minds are at ease. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we'll give you all praise and honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. We're so thankful for the Lord. You know, I'm so thankful that uh, we have a right and a privilege to live, live this way. Amen. You know, I was thinking about the, the, the Psalms uh, where it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And we've talked a little bit about how it's amazing that we as created beings have the ability to bless the Lord. Uh, but, you know, I, I, uh, in that, you know, we were talking about Father's Day earlier. It's the same thing, you know, uh, because my kids exist. They bless me. Uh, uh, I'm blessed because of my children. Uh, and not because they give me things, but because they're my children. Uh, and when I think about how much I love them, uh, just, th- just them coming around uh, is a blessing. Amen. Uh, and, and, you know, it gives me some insight into, well, how am I able to bless the Lord? You know, I'm made out of dirt. How can I bless the Lord? And I think about how my kids bless me. It's like, well, that, that makes sense. Because, uh, and I'm so thankful for my children. And uh, they're, they're a great and a mighty blessing to me. And so, and I'm thankful for them. Amen. Uh, and so let's open up our Bibles to the book of, of Matthew chapter 6 here. We've been going through the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we got down to about uh, verse 24 here. And, of course, Jesus uh, took a, a slight turn here and started talking about uh, worry and fretting. And, and, uh, and he spends a lot of time talking about these things. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, he t- of course, he talked about um, uh, some finances before that. But he started here in verse uh, 25 where he said, Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your, for your life. And um, is that a suggestion? It's not a suggestion, right? So we should read the Word of God not as, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that. Well, I mean, that's, that's great that you have a choice, but in a sense, you know, you do have a choice because you have a free will. But is the Lord, is the Lord saying, I suggest that you take no thought for your life? Uh, it's not a suggestion, is it? It's a commandment, amen? And so uh, if it's a commandment, then are we required to do this? Then we're required to do this. The, the thing about the Lord is if he requires us to do anything, uh, he also has to provide us the ability to do that thing. He would be unjust to say, well, you go do that, but I'm not going to help you figure out how to do that. I'm not going to give you the power to do that. I'm not going to give you the grace to do that. You just go figure it out on your own. And then he's going to judge us for doing it or not doing it. That would be really unjust of him, wouldn't it? Uh, so he's not an unjust God. If he says, take no thought uh, for your life, then first of all, uh, it's not a suggestion, but also uh, you have the ability to do that. And a lot of times we negate the entire word of God when we read it and say, I I can't do that. But that's not true. You can, if he told you to do it, you can do it. Now, uh, what I've learned, and the Lord really has worked this over my life a lot, is I've got to be more accurate in my statements. So I I never say things like, I can't do that. I might say, I don't want to do that. Well, that's more accurate, right? But see, the problem with that, it makes me look bad. If I say I can't do it, it's not my fault. I mean, I would love to do it. I just, I can't do it. I want to do it. I just can't. That's, I mean, it sounds good. It's not true. What is true is I ain't doing that. You know, uh, how many people have read the word of God? I'm not doing that. Uh, that's too hard. Uh, it's impossible. Nobody can live that way. 
But see, that, that makes me look bad, though. So, I, you know, I don't want to look bad. So, you know, the, but the problem with saying, you know, I can't do it, if that's not a true statement, see, what we're hoping is I can say I can't do that and the Lord will let me off the hook. So that when I stand before him and he say, well, did you do that? Well, I, Lord, I wanted to do that. I, I, I couldn't do that. I, I tried. I, I just couldn't do it. It's not possible. And so, of course, then he would say, well, was there something more I needed to do for, do for you? Was, did I need to send like a second son to die for you, shed more blood for you, uh, produce a better Bible for you, uh, give you more power in your heart, uh, put a bigger Holy Spirit in you? Is there, is there uh, uh, I mean, you know, I've got a suggestion box over there. If you'd like to write a suggestion about how I could do better next time I redeem all of mankind, you know, that'd be great, Right. And of course, he's not going to really have a suggestion box in heaven. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so when we read these things, uh, you know, of course, you could read it from a, from a standpoint of being condemned. Well, you know, uh, Lord, you, you're putting me under so much pressure that, you know, I've got to live this way. And, and I, I don't know how to live this way. I can't live this way. You shouldn't see it as a condemnation. You should see it as a, as a goal in your life. Uh, as an opportunity, uh, Lord, even if I'm uh, living this way, if you said to take no thought, then I can do it. And so, Lord, uh, you're going to show me how I'm going to get from here to there. That's a much better approach than just saying, I can't do it. Amen. Uh, and you also should never be condemned by the word of God. You know, much of the church preaches condemnation. Most of them, well, if you're not doing it, you're a terrible person. Well, I mean, why is that necessary, right? If you're not doing it, you know, then you're missing out on the blessings of it. Amen. Because would it be a would it be a wonderful life to live where you take no thought about anything? You don't worry about anything? You know, uh, uh, worry is a, is a, is a learned uh, action. Amen? You know, my, my grandson just turned 10. I go see him. He's not in the corner going, is somebody going to change my diaper? I don't think anybody can change my diaper. I mean, I changed my diaper. I don't know. I, think, I don't think it's going to happen. I, you know, it's, I know they did it yesterday, but I'm, I don't think they're going to do it. And I'm so worried about it. And he's over there fretting, you know, wringing his hands, you know, what am I going to do about this diaper? I got to do something about this diaper. You know, he, he, no, he never is like, hey, you know, he'll, he'll make, make, make some attention, you know, somebody's got to do something. Amen. And it ain't me. Uh, and of course, usually it's not me either, but <laughs> if Gigi's around, hey, Gigi, and she just come running, you know, and so. We're going to try to work this. We haven't, we haven't made it all the way through diaper stage yet, but I'm going to try to work it as long as I can and, and try to avoid it. You know, I'll give you $100 to change that diaper, right? <laughs> and so, uh, but, but, you know, he never, he's not fretting about his diaper. He's not fretting about, is they, you, you think they're going to feed me? I don't think they're going to feed me. I need a bottle, and, and, and I'm just going to starve to death. I'm going to sit here. I'm 10 months old. I'm probably going to starve to death. I'll probably never get fed again. He, he's, he's not doing that. So if, if he can live a life worry-free, why can't you? Um, you know, it's like, well, he's 10 months old. He doesn't even know enough to worry. Well, you know, that that's, uh, kind of tells you everything you need to know right there. Amen. Uh, and so Jesus said, take no thought. So, so how many thoughts did he say that you shouldn't take? None. Well, you know, I just worry a little bit. Well, then you're a little bit out of the will of God. Uh, because he said, take no thoughts. That means that there's no thought that, that uh, comes into your life that you don't have the authority to do something about. There's no thought, no situation that you can't look at and say, I don't have to worry about that. If Jesus had, now how many times did he say this? I know we had varying uh, numbers, but what's the number? It's five, right? Five different times in this, in this dissertation here. He said, uh, take no thoughts, right? Uh, and so, 
And, and in these, all of these things that he talks about are all natural things. Because that's where our worry is, is in natural life, right? We don't worry about our eternal, eternal destiny. Uh, we don't worry about our treasures in heaven. We, we worry about things on the earth, our jobs, our kids, our houses, you know, the economy, uh, where we're going to eat, are we going to eat, uh, you know, uh, depending on where you are in the world, the, the worries that you have are different, amen? You go over to some countries, and they, they literally worry about food, right? amen? And I know there are people in, the, in our country that worry about food, but for the most part, and if you worry about food, you come here, we give you a box of food, amen? We got boxes of food, uh, and so, uh, but they worry about, you know, will they really get to eat at all? Uh, and so, uh, and they do worry about things like clothes and things. You know, we don't, we don't really see that, but uh, uh, America is probably under more stress than the whole rest of the world. We stress about everything, our job and our boss and, uh, you know, the, uh, are we going to have a job tomorrow and our house payment and our car payment and, you know, electric bill and water bill and whatever it is, amen? Uh, we, we, we find things to worry about. So it doesn't matter where you are, you're going to find something to worry about if you want to. And Jesus, if he spent this much time and this many uh, opportunities to tell us, take no thought then that's going to be a big issue in the life of the Christian. Amen? And, of course, we know just from a, from a, from a medical standpoint, doctors would tell you that a, lead, a leading cause of sickness and disease in our country, in our society, is stress and worry. Uh, and that, that produces all kinds of issues in your life. Uh, and, and they'll tell you they'll ha- they can have two patients, have the exact same issue with them, and one will have a positive attitude. One will have a negative attitude. Oh, probably not going to work. It's probably not going to keep, you know, surgery probably won't last. Cancer's probably going to come back. And the other one's like, oh, praise God, you got it all. All right, we're moving forward. And, they, and just the, oftentimes just the attitude of the patient has a significant impact on how well they, they recover uh, and because they're not taking thought. So your thought life has, a, has an impact on your, on your physical life on your, of course, your, the mental anguish of, of, of our thoughts, amen? Uh, and so that's why Jesus said, uh, take no thought, amen? And then he comes down uh, uh, talking about clothes, uh, about Solomon and comparing him to the, to the, to the, uh, the flowers and the wildflowers and things like that. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times people think that the Lord is stingy and the Lord is, is uh, you know, always really careful about what he does. And, uh, and, and he's talking about here about, how the Lord will go and make a beautiful field of, of flowers, because he said the Lord's doing it, knowing that they're just going to last for a, a moment, knowing that somebody's going to come and cut them up and throw them and, and burn them for fuel. And yet he still spends the time and the energy to make them. So the, Lord's, the, the Lord doesn't care. Is he limited in, in power? Is he limited in, in blessing? He's, you know, if you just had so much, uh, so much available to you, you know, like you, get the, you see these billionaires, and they don't think anything about it. You know, they're going to travel somewhere, they just... Uh, if they don't have their own jet airplane, they just travel for first class. Well, you know, that's a lot of money. He's like, well, not to me. It's nothing to me. I didn't, well, you know, I mean, one first class ticket may be like $6,000. And, you know, you get, you get uh, a friend of mine, he's a, he's a pilot for a commercial, uh, for a private uh, jet company. And they get these billionaires uh, that they just, hey, I, I want to go play golf in Miami. Come pick me up. And they'll get on this. And it's like, you know, thousands of dollars an hour to, to charter this jet. And they just, they, they don't, you know, they have so much uh, available to them. They don't even think, think of anything about it. Yeah, I was like, well, what are you going to do? Well, uh, you know, 
I live in California. Let's just, you want to just fly to, let's just fly to Miami. Let's go play golf in Miami. You want to? They'll pick us up at 9 a.m. and then we'll fly straight to Miami and go play a round of golf and we'll just fly back. And that may be a $20,000 trip just for a day. You think they're worried about it? No, they don't even think anything. Well, that's what the Lord is, amen? He'll do that. He'll go throw a whole field of, of flowers. You think how much, how much time and energy people spend on, on cultivating flowers, growing flowers, you know, uh, selling flowers. And he'll just do it knowing that it's just, yeah, it's just, yeah, no problem. Well, why? Because he has uh, an unlimited supply, amen? If the Lord has an unlimited supply, don't you think you have access to that unlimited supply? Uh, isn't he our father? Don't we have an inheritance? I mean, he made a legally binding contract that uh, if I die, you get everything I had. Oh, I did die. So you get everything I had. So we have an inheritance, amen? Uh, and not only do we have an inheritance, he's now the executor of, of his own estate, and he's going to make sure that we have access to that. Uh, uh, and so uh, that, that's a pretty good deal. Amen? So that should help us to understand why we, have, we never have a need to worry, especially about anything naturally, because if the Lord really has all things, he, he, he told us that we have been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So if he's given us these, all, all these things, then what is it that we have that we should worry about? You know, of course, a lot of kids, a lot of people worry about their children. You know, are they going to make it? Are they going to, they going to survive? And we'll, we'll talk about something related to that here in just a second. But he comes down to, to verse 30 here. He says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven. So God did that. God clothed the grass of the field, knowing it's just for a moment of time uh, that somebody's just going to run over it and mow it down with a lawnmower and not even think anything about it. And yet the Lord still does it. He doesn't have to do it. Well, they just mow it down. So he still does it. You know, he'll throw uh, wildflowers in a, in a ditch just so that we can drive by and see him for just a moment. Uh, and, and that's the kind of God he is. And he's not concerned about wasting all that energy to do that. He said uh, that uh, if God will do that, uh, he said, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So in, in all of his dissertation, this is the first time <clears throat> Jesus directly addresses our faith. And he says, if you're fretting, if you're worrying about these things, he said, you're, you're weak in faith, you're low in faith, oh, ye of little faith, uh, which is, which is uh, a rebuke to us, amen? Uh, and, and it's because we will take our thought life, he said, take no thought, but we'll take that thought, even though we don't have to take it, but we'll take that thought, and we'll justify our worry. Well, you know, I just don't know if it's going to come through or not. I don't know if the Lord's going to, if he's, if he's going to provide or not. I don't know if we're going to get that job. I don't know if we're going to get that house. I don't know if we're going to get uh, the, the, the food that we need. I don't know where we're going to get clothes. And he said, oh, you have little faith. He said, trust in me. Amen. So do, we, do we trust in him? Can we trust in him? Do we have the right to trust in him? Well, I mean, uh, if, if all these things are true, we should have a right to trust in him. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so he, addre he addresses uh, the worry as uh, a reflection of how much faith that we have. So, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a world-class warrior. Well, I mean, then you've told often yourself that you, that you have little faith, amen? Uh, and so, uh, just real quick, let's turn back to the book of Job, the Old Covenant there. Uh, you've got uh, Psalms, and right before Psalms, you've got Job. And it's pretty easy to find because there's a lot of chapters in Job. Uh, but let, let's turn over to... Uh, um, uh, let's start in Job 3, then we're going to go back to Job chapter 1. So in Job chapter 3, <clears throat> uh, now in Job chapter 3, 
there, uh, there is the beginning of a lot of the, the problems of Job, right? All the problems of Job. We're not going to go through all of them, but, you know, lost all of his kids. He lost all of his, uh, all of his uh, wealth. He, he lost his health. He lost everything. And, uh, but then he comes down here and says in verse 25, he says, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. In verse 26, he says, I, w- uh, I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Well, that's not true. The Lord had provided for Job all this time. And a lot of times what worry will do is worry will rewrite history. Well, you know, they, the Lord never took care of me. Well, that's not true. He's taking care of you uh, probably more than we'll ever know how much he's taking care of us, amen? But, but see, the issue in Job, uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 25, for the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. So is fear the same as faith? Actually, it's exactly the same as faith. It's just in the wrong direction, amen? So many people just, they're so afraid. They have great faith in the failure. They have great faith in, in tragedy. I'm probably going to be the first one to get sick. And, and, it, and then they are. You go, see, wow, you're a person of great faith. You have got amazing faith that every time, you know, the flu comes around, you're the first one to get it. Oh, yeah, it's happened for years. You know, if it's coming around, I'm going to be the first one to get it. Wow, that's, you are great faith, right? Just in the wrong direction. Uh, but see, uh, uh, Job said, for the thing which I greatly feared. Well, what's he done? He's been taking thought that, that you know, I've got so much. I've got, I'm so blessed. I've got all these cattle. And I've got all these camels and sheep. What if I lose it all? What if it's all gone tomorrow? What happened? He lost it all. I love my kids, but, you know, I'm worried that they're not going to make it. What happened? Lost his kids. Amen. Uh, and, and let's go back to chapter one then. Let's see, uh, let's see what, the, what his worry, what it drove him to do. So, of course, uh, let's just start in verse 1 there. It says, there was a man in the land of Uz. Aren't you glad you're not from Uz, right? Uh, whose name was Job. Uh, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed or avoided evil. So the thing about worry is uh, you don't have to be a terrible person to worry. Job was a great man, but he wasn't perfect. Amen. He says he was he was perfect uh, or good, right? That word good, perfect, that means good. So he was a righteous man, right? He did right. Uh, he was upright. He feared God. So he loved the Lord. Amen. Can you love the Lord and still worry? Well, apparently you can. Well, Job did, right? That which I feared the most has come upon me. Uh, and it says, and then it starts talking about the things that he had. There was born unto him seven sons, three daughters. His substance was also 7,000 sheep. That's a lot of sheep. Amen. I want to be blessed like Job. I don't want to be blessed. I don't, I don't want 7,000 sheep. Where would I put them? I mean, you know, I've got, a, I've got a, a, a little plot of land there. You know, I mean, it, it'd take up all my yard. They'd be making a mess, talking all the time. Bah, you know, the Chris would love it. She loves sheep, you know. Uh, we go up to like to, uh, up to Crossville area and you, you got to go through Grassy Cove where they got all the sheep. Uh, and she, she loves it. Her, her whole day is made when she can drive by Grassy Cove and see the flock of sheep. But, you know, sheep are, are just nasty animals, right? They're not very bright. They're cute from afar. But if you had to keep one, you know, they're, they're, uh, I've never heard anything good about them. Uh, and so, but he had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. So you think, if I just had a lot of stuff, I wouldn't worry. 
uh, a lot of people, the more stuff they have, the more they worry. And then, of course, some people say, well, I don't want anything, so I don't have to worry about it. Well, then that's great. How many, can you, how many people can you be a blessing to? If you have nothing, who can you be a blessing to? You know, one, one time, uh, this fellow, uh, I was talking to him, and he, he, was, uh, he was one of these folks who, who uh, I don't believe in prosperity. I don't believe in prosperity. But, you know, it's, just, it's not God. You know, I don't believe in prosperity. And, 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 and um, of course, you know, it's hard to, to just tell every, uh, every foolish person that what they're saying is dumb, right? I mean, that's the dumbest thing I've heard. But, but see, uh, in the same breath, in the same conversation, he said, you know what, the other day, uh, I needed this thing, somebody gave me this thing. I need this thing over here, somebody else gave me that. And I, I was needing this right here, and somebody gave me that. And I said, so you believe in prosperity for everybody else, just not for you. Right? Because there's no way they could all give you those things unless they were prosperous. But so you're not, you're not prosperous, so you have no help to anybody, but all those other people are prosperous, they can help you. Uh, and so, uh, so Job was prosperous, and, and it, it, it drove him to worry. Well, see, uh, the, the Bible says the Lord, the Lord makes us rich and addeth no sorrow to it. So if, if, you, if the Lord blesses you, he's not going to add sorrow or worry with it. He's going to bless you, and, and you, well, Lord, look at all, I've got all this stuff. Look what I can do now. Look how many people I can help. Amen? Uh, nothing wrong with being prosperous. Amen? Uh, but, uh, you know, people who have nothing, remember Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 6, saying you're worrying about your clothes and your food and, uh, and that type of thing. Well, that's, you know, rich people don't worry about those things. You know, prosperous people don't worry about that. Those, those are the things that people that don't have much worry. So what he's saying is everybody worries. If you got a lot of stuff, you're going to worry. If you got little stuff, you're going to worry. Everybody has the temptation to worry. And you don't have to, but, but it, uh, if you think having a lot of stuff will keep you from worrying, uh, Job said, I greatly feared. He had everything. It's great. He, it, it said he was the greatest of all the men of the East, and yet he was worrying. So it doesn't matter how much stuff you got. If I could just get more stuff, I wouldn't worry. Your stuff is not the, the, the source or the lack of your stuff is not the source of your worry. Your thought life is the source of your worry. Take no thought. Jesus didn't say, take no things so that you don't worry about things. He said, take no thought. So, so it's not the things or the lack of things that are the source of your worry. It's your thought life. Uh, and, and so Job was the greatest of all the men of the earth. And it says, and his sons went and feasted in their, in their houses every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So they're doing a lot of carousing here, you know, his sons were. And it was just so when, uh, verse 5, when the days of their feasting was gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the, uh, and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Well, that's what they were doing. Uh, and so uh, he was worrying about it. But what's it say at the end of that? Thus did Job what? Continually. And that is the life of a, of a warrior right there. All they do is worry. Continually. That in their thought life all the time. Their thoughts are just cranking. I, I, bet they're, I bet they're over there doing stuff that's wrong. I, I better go make an, a sacrifice for them. I bet that in that last party, I bet, I bet somebody cursed God in their hearts. I better go sacrifice for them. Well, it's not his job to sacrifice for his children. That's their, that's their own job, amen? It's their job to take care of their sins. It's not Job's job to take care of everybody's sins. 
Yeah, and, I, and I see people all the time, especially when it comes to children, but even with jobs, is they're always trying to, to uh, protect their children from making a choice. Uh, well, you, you know, they, they have a choice. Now, I don't know if they're four years old, you don't give them a choice to drive. Uh, but uh, even when they become adults, they're always trying to kind of, you know, uh, overshadow their children to keep them from ever making a mistake. Uh, or if they make a mistake, they're always bailing them out for everything. Uh, and and uh, you've got to get to where you can't worry about anything. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you do your job. You've got to do your job. Raise your children right, of course. Uh, but at the end of the day, they get to make a choice. And, uh, well, you know, what if they make the wrong choice? Well, is that something to worry about? Well, that's the thing is, uh, are you worrying about it? Or are you, you praying for the Lord? You know, uh, I thank you that you speak to them every day, remind them. Now, a lot of times our prayers are motivated by worry. Thus did Job continually. You know, is, is offering sacrifice to the Lord, is that not a biblical principle in the Old Covenant? Perfectly fine, biblical principle to offer sacrifice to the Lord. But Job did it out of worry. He's worrying that maybe they're doing something wrong, so I'm going to go do this. And that's what worry will do. It, it will drive you to continuously do things that are out of faith. And if you're thinking every day, I better do something to, 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 protect, to protect these kids, you know, something's going to happen to them. Well, that's not faith, that's worry. You, you ought to be able to go for days, weeks, and months and not even think about, well, you know, are my kids safe? Are they, am I doing everything that, that keep them safe? Uh, you know, if the Lord shows you things, that, that's fine to do that. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, but a lot of parents are that way. They're driven by worry. And they'll do things continually out of worry. Uh, and, and the problem with that is the, if that's your motivation, then you're doing that in your own strength. You're not doing it in the strength of the Lord because Jesus said, why are you wondering about these things? I said, I'll take care of these things for you. Oh, you have little faith, so it's our responsibility to believe God that he'll take care of these things, not in worry or fret, because if you're praying every day, Lord, really protect my children. Lord, protect them from, from, from disaster and, and turmoil and, and sickness and disease. And, uh, but if, if you're being driven to pray that way, you're just being motivated by, by fear and worry. Amen? Uh, and so, so Job did that. How well did it work out for him? Uh, and, and, and the Lord didn't, you know, didn't bring these things on, uh, on to the children of Job because Job worried. The, the children brought it upon themselves, amen? Their own sins, worry is not going to cause somebody else harm. It's just going to cause you harm. Uh, and so let's turn over to, um, let's turn over to Romans uh, chapter 14 here. Let's look at a verse real quick. Now, Romans chapter 14 is just a good chapter, um, uh, we got to get down to the end of it, but let's just start here in verse 1, because um, actually we're, we'll, we'll talk about this today, and then we're going to bring back up uh, Romans chapter 14 as Jesus continues in his uh, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but, he, but he says here in verse 1, Him that is weak in faith receive ye, but not, for, not to doubtful disputations, not to arguing, right? Uh, and, and so, uh, first of all, Paul is, is instructing us here that People have different levels of faith. The person sitting next to you might have great faith. The person on the other side of you might have weak faith. He said uh, uh, those that are weak in faith. So there are those that are weak in faith. What did Jesus call it? Oh, you have little faith. So there's people that got little faith, right? Uh, and there are people that have got great faith. Uh, he called the, the centurion a man of great faith. And he says, for one who believeth, in verse 2, that he may eat all things, in verse 2, that he may eat all things, Another who is weak eateth herbs. So, uh, you know, the, there are people 
who eat uh, grass and leaves because they love the taste of grass and leaves. Amen. There are people who eat grass and leaves because they're worried if I eat a slice of bacon, I'm going to die. And so it's not about what you eat. It's what's the motivation behind what you eat. I mean, Chris loves, uh, you know, we, we were, we were in Texas just this week and they had a big barbecue, uh, you know, big celebration that going on there. And, and she put, she put, uh, by choice, she put collard greens on her plate and ate them. <laughs> Mashed up, mowed grass on her plate, and she ate it by choice. She wanted to do this. She wasn't afraid of the barbecue. She didn't fear the barbecue. Uh, she, ate, she chose to do that. Uh, and so she's not weak in faith, you know. Uh, she just likes grass and leaves, you know. And so, um, you know, I'm like, you, you flew all the way here to, to Texas to eat grass. Uh, and so, uh, but she's not weak in faith. Uh, and so, uh, uh, but there are people who are weak in faith. Amen. Uh, people who say, you, you shouldn't eat that. Because Paul right there says, for one believer that he may eat all things. Now, is there, is there any limitation to that? There's always a limitation of moderation in these things. But uh, what could you eat? Well, technically you could just eat anything. Isn't that what it says? Anything, you know, there's so much, we don't have time, we talk a lot about it it in in healing school, but, uh, you know, in the church, there's been such a a strong cult of food, but food has been elevated to nearly deity in the church. Oh, you got to eat right? Got to eat right? I mean, if you're eating, it's eating right. If if you're in faith, whatever you're eating is eating right. Isn't that what he says? For one believes that he may eat all things. You know, I mean, you got to quit eating eggs. And then 10 years later, you know, eggs are pretty good for you. Uh, and then that, you, you got to quit eating, quit, no, no salt, no salt at all. Well, you know, actually, you kind of need a little salt, you know, you need a little salt there, you know. And, uh, oh, you, you got you to quit eating some, you know. I, I had a doctor tell me, well, you know, our ancestors, you know, they didn't eat meat every day. You don't know that. They say that, but, I mean, what what the men do? They were the hunters. The women were the gatherers, and... I mean, if you go, you go shoot a buffalo, how long could you eat a buffalo? I mean, if you salt it down, you know, they learned about salting and preserving food. How long could you eat on a buffalo? I mean, just one buffalo, you know, would, would just feed you till forever, right? Uh, and so you go kill a rabbit, you go kill a, a squirrel. You know, I've eaten squirrel, eaten rabbit. I'd much rather have a steak myself, but, you know, some people like that stuff. I mean, you know, like tough little rodents, you know, they eat tough little rodents, you know, it's fine. Uh, and so... Uh, so Paul didn't put any restrictions on he said those who believe now look if you're just doing it out, out of fear you're wrong amen now some people eat meat and, and you know you got to eat all this red meat you know you got to quit eating so much red meat whatever right I mean it's just, I, I, don't, I don't see it in the word of God and there's so much there's such a strong cult of food in the church that uh, what you eat oh, you gotta, you know, it's, your, it's a temple of God you, gotta, you know, make sure you put good stuff in it. Well, I don't eat gross stuff. I mean, you know, I eat what I want to eat. You know, some people, uh, you know, did you eat that? No, why not? I'm a grown man. I get to choose what I eat, you know. And so I'm going to eat what I want to eat. And, uh, and if, if I don't like it, I'm just not going to eat it. Uh, one, one time, Chris, uh, we were eating dinner when Jared was there. And uh, you need to tell me that. I said, well, if I'm not going to eat it, how am I going to force my child to eat it? I, I don't feel right telling my child to eat something that I'm not going to eat. It's gross. I'm not going to eat that. Uh, and so I don't know what it was, just some, you know, something, you know, probably something green. But 
I like a lot of green food, but, uh, uh, and so, uh, but look, everybody who eats who's a vegetarian is not necessarily weak in faith. But if their motivation is, I'm afraid if I eat meat, it'll kill me, well, then they are weak in faith. Amen? Uh, now, I didn't write this, you know, Paul write this? He wrote it. But he said, he said, your responsibility is, verse 3, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. So if I eat meat, I can't get on my high horse about all you people weak in faith. You know, you need to eat some bacon. Bacon be good for you. But, you know, if they just eat bacon out of, out of pressure of condemnation from me, they're not in faith. Amen. And it will actually harm them. Because uh, and, and, if they're afraid to eat bacon and I force them to eat bacon anyway, uh, then, then, you know, I've not done my job. Amen. Uh, so we, we can't, those, uh, but you can look at this just from a general standpoint. You know, if you've got a lot of faith, everybody doesn't have the same faith you do. So you can't just say, hey, just quit taking your medication. Just believe God. But that's great for you if you've been walking this for 20 years. But, you know, they may not have that ability. Uh, you know, uh, we, were, we were here one time. Uh, it, it was during one of the uh, strawberry festivals. And a person came by and they asked for some prayer. They asked for prayer. They were going to have some surgery done. And uh, they wanted, you know, the church to pray for them. Uh, and so, uh, now, so they asked me if I'd come and help them pray. Uh, and, you know, I'm the pastor, but so they didn't ask me to pray. They just said, well, hey, you come over here, you know. Uh, and so, and so fine. So I can, uh, sometimes I just listen. And so talking to this person, uh, and um, uh, I said, well, well, what's going on? Well, I'm going to have surgery on Thursday. Well, what do you want us to pray for? Well, pray that the, the doctors will have wisdom. Was well, that a valid prayer? It's a perfectly valid prayer, right? I mean, because doctors can do it well or they cannot do it well. I mean, how many stories you, you hear where, you know, someone has a surgery and they come back and say, well, how come you felt bad? Well, they left a sponge in my, in, you know, inside me, right? They left, they left a, you know, the, the tweezers inside me, right? And your body's like, hey, you left something in here that doesn't belong here, right? I mean, anybody ever heard stories like that? You know, it's like, uh, I don't think I spoke, they took an x-ray. And it's like, what is that? Oh, uh, that's the wrench. Yeah, sorry, we left that there, you know, when we take out your appendix. You know, uh, we need to open you back up, take that wrench out. Uh, and so what was their, their, their prayer was, their request for was that, they would have, uh, the doctors would have wisdom. Now, is that God's best? Well, it's not God's best to have surgery, but that's where their faith was. Uh, and so, uh, so they said, well, tell you what, uh, we're going we're gonna to believe God that you don't even have to have the surgery. Well, now here's the problem. Where was their faith? It was right here, right? Their faith was doctor wisdom faith. Now, there is more faith in the world out there where you can have no surgery faith. That's great. But that's not where their faith, their faith was here. But they, they basically condemned them, said, well, you don't have enough faith. You know, we're going to pray, we're going to ignore your faith, and we're going to give you our faith. But that wasn't their faith. And so you know what happened? They had surgery. Why? Because that's where their faith was. Amen? And so, you know, it's normal that there's, in the church, there's always going to be people of varying levels of faith. And that's fine. Amen? Our goal and desire is to get everybody up to, to speed with full of faith, but everybody's not going to be there. And some people will never get there. They're just practically speaking, some people will just never, they'll never figure it out. Now, they could. There's no limit to they can't figure it out. But some people just, you know, ah, it's just, you know, that sounds hard. I don't want to do that. Just, you know, they just, they'll never apply themselves to obtain great faith. And they'll always be grass eaters, right? And, if, you know, you're always going to have grass eaters in the church. So should we condemn people because they're grass eaters? Are you a grass eater? Now, I make fun of people, you know, but I don't condemn, I don't care. 
eat whatever you want to. Uh, and so, and look, if you're eating it out of fear because you're afraid of meat, and some people that sorry, you know, oh, I can't believe you ate that, you know. I, I, I had a meeting one time uh, back in the day when I was in the corporate world, and I brought a box of donuts. And you thought I'd brought just like, you know, poison. They're like, oh, we, don't, we don't eat donuts. You don't eat a donut? No, no, you know how many carbs and your calories? You know you don't. Well, you just have to eat them all. You can just eat one. I mean, you know, uh, we, we, did, we did a thing at, at, at the college when they had, uh, you could go, it was a church and set up a booth, you know, to and, and meet all the students that come into the, at the beginning of the year. And so we thought, you know what, college students, you know, when I was in college, uh, number one thing is cheap food, right? Cheap, how cheap... So what's the cheapest food in the world? Cheapest food in the world is ramen noodles. Yeah, you can go buy ramen noodles, like a case for like six cents, right? I mean, uh, and, and they're dirt cheap, so we'll just give away some ramen noodles, right? Uh, and so the, and the, the students loved it, you know, ramen noodles. So, but, but, you know, we didn't know how many to buy, so we bought way too many. And so at the end of it, I was talking to some of the professors, hey, uh, uh, you want some ramen noodles? We got some free ramen noodles. And you thought we were pushing heroin on them. Oh, we don't eat it. You know how many carbs are in ramen noodles? Oh, we don't eat that. And one guy was from the Philippines where they have a restaurant called, just called ramen. That's the name of the restaurant, just ramen. And what do you get there? You get ramen noodles. And he's literally, that's, you know, his right leg was probably entirely made out of ramen noodles because that's what he ate growing up. Oh, I don't eat, I, I, can't, eat, I can't eat ramen noodles. I mean, they, they thought we was pushing like, like a drug dealer on them. So I just brought them to church, and you know, they'll last forever. They'll go through nuclear holocaust and everything. And you know, we ate them for like a year, it took about a year to get through the whole, because we bought like hundreds of them, right? I just stuck, I'll come to church, you know, eat, eat, a, eat a pack of ramen noodles. And, and um, uh, you know, I got a little bowl, I got a little special ramen noodle bowl. You know, it's made, you know, it's perfect size for a pack of ramen noodles. You know, and and um, look, you eat whatever you want to eat. Uh, I eat the things I like. Now, I don't eat, I don't eat a, a ton of it, amen, I, you know. Uh, you, you got you got to have moderation, amen. Uh, and and um, a lot of people, you know, I got I got um, I got. Uh, uh, well, we're not going to get all that. We're going to get in trouble if we get into that far, right? So, <laughs> so who? Uh, but then he says. Uh, then he says. Uh, well, we didn't finish verse three. Let him that eateth despi- uh, despise him that eateth not, let, or let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. So if you ever get in pride because of your faith. You know, I don't ever worry about anything. You know, that's pride. Amen. If, you're, if your desire is not to help other people, to help them to get to the place where you're at, then you're just in pride. Amen. And that's going to cause you other problems. Uh, he says, um, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. You know how many people judge me because of what I eat? I can't believe you eat that. I, I, you should try it. It's tasty, right? It doesn't bother me a bit, you know. Eat bacon right there in front of a vegetarian. Like Oscar Mayer bacon, the good stuff, right? I mean, just the, the high-octane, you know, stuff. I'll eat a slice of bacon right there in front of a vegetarian who's you're a judgy type, you know? Oh, man, this is great. I mean, I'd get you backslide in a minute if you eat a slice of Oscar Mayer bacon, right? Uh, and so, but let not him that, that eateth not judge him that eateth. You know, I see a lot of that in the church where people would judge people. For the things they do, not even realizing, well, the reason why you're judging me is because you're weak in faith. You're, you're not judging me because you're superior to me. You're judging me because you're weaker in faith than I am. Uh, and so, now look, I didn't write this stuff. This is Paul's writing, you know, so we learn from Paul, amen? So you can't be a you know, high horse if you, if you eat meat or if you're bigger in faith. And you can't be all judgy if you're not weak, in, if, you're, if you're not strong in faith. 
And yet the, both of those scenarios happen all the time in church, don't they? Well, I can't believe you do that, you know. I, and, and that's said from both directions, amen? Uh, and then he says in verse 4, he says, Who art thou that judgeth another man's servant? That right there, I mean, you can, we, uh, and we're going to meddle a lot in that verse when we get down to, uh, to chapter 7 there. Uh, but who art thou that judgeth another man's servant? You know, what's it to you what I do? What's it to me what you do? You want to eat meat? I don't care. You want to eat vegetables? I don't care. It's not, it's just, I just leave it alone. Amen. Now look, if someone says, you know, I've got problems with this, problems with that. Um, uh, you know, I mean, you can help people, right? I was talking to someone just the other day. They were saying, well, I, you know, I just don't, I, I just think, I, I think I've just messed up too much. You know, that, what was the problem? That weakened faith. I just messed up. God couldn't, God couldn't forgive me. I said, so you're telling me because, you know, they, they, uh, they started off in the conversation. Uh, I love these conversations. They started a conversation. With, this is the question they asked me, right? They found out as a pastor, right? So, so, you know, they don't ask, well, how, how do you get more faith? They never ask questions like that. The question they asked was, so all the people that are under the altar in the book of Revelation, is God feeding them? That was the first question, right? <laughs> that's a really deep question, right? Who cares? But, you know, that's a really deep question. But, uh, uh, but you know, he really, he really believed that God would not uh, forgive him because of the mistakes he's made. Uh, and he'd been in church for years. You know, he wasn't in church at that particular time, but he'd been in church for years. Uh, and I said, so you're, so you're telling me that the blood of Jesus, because he knows about the blood of Jesus. You know, he went, he'd been in church for years, you know, uh, but not presently. But you're telling me that the blood of Jesus was capable of, of forgiving all the sins that came before Jesus that forgave all the sins while Jesus was on the earth and is able to forgive all the sins that has ever occurred since the time Jesus was on the earth for the last 2,000 years, that blood is able to do all of that except for your sin. That's impressive. That's amazing sin right there. I mean, you've got that much sin that it's, it's more than all the sin that's ever occurred in the history of humanity, things that you can't even talk about sin, right? Things that we, in, in, in polite company we shouldn't even mention. Jesus paid for that. But you're telling me that it's not sufficient to pay for yours. Well, why? Because he, he, in that moment, he was weak in faith. In that area of his life, he was weak in faith. So, you know, and I, I you know, uh, maybe I helped him. I hope I did. Uh, and so, uh, who are the judgment of the man's servant? So, uh, but then he comes down to, to uh, all the way to the end of um, uh, the chapter here. Uh, let, let's start in verse 17. It says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So sometimes we think these natural things are the most important things. And, and Paul is saying, look, it, it, these natural things, they mean nothing. Amen? If you, if you make a big deal over natural things, what kind of car you drive, what kind of house you live in, what your, what your address is, what your bank account is, all, none, none of that matters. He said the, the kingdom of God is not in any of those things. It's not meat and drink or natural things. Amen? And look, we, we can have a good time. We can rag on people because, you know, I can't, you, you drive that kind of car. Wow, you know, that's embarrassing. Uh, I mean, you know, it's okay to have a good time, right? I mean, I laugh at people. You know, I laugh at my wife. You, you eat that? Wow, you know. But I don't mean that. I don't care. I don't really care what she eats. Uh, and, and so, and she knows that I don't care. And so she doesn't take it personal or anything like that. Uh, and so, because the kingdom of God is not in these things. So they're, they're all temporary. They don't mean anything. Natural things don't mean anything. Uh, he says, um, in verse 18, for he, that, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. 
Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eateth with offense. So, he, so he's just talking about here. If, if we force vegetarians to eat meat, it's not going to be good for them because in the, their conscience is still, even though from a, from a biblical and faith standpoint, it doesn't mean anything, but if they're, if they're condemned because they eat meat, because you force it to them, because, you know, you just eat meat. He said that that's not any good to, to force people to do that. You know, some people, uh, they, they are, are moral objectors of eating meat, right? It's not even about the health of it. You know, I, you, you murdered an animal to eat it? Yeah, but he's tasty, right? Uh, and so, but for them, it, it's a moral question, right? Uh, and so I'm not going to force my, my morality upon them. Well, you, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, there really is nothing wrong with that, but for me to condemn them and to force them to eat meat, if they, if, until they get their mind renewed, that it's really not, the Lord gave us these things to eat, right, and take care of them and, and those types of things. And so, uh, uh, so uh, it's evil for that man to eat of the offense, and it's evil for us to, pre- to pressure them to eat that, amen? Because Paul's saying, look, between the two, between the meat eaters and the vegetarians, the meat eaters and generally are people of faith. The, the vegetarians, if they're being motivated by fear, uh, of, of eating meat, then, then they're weak in faith, amen? Uh, some vegetarians don't do it because of moral reasons. Some don't do it because of uh, fear of the cholesterol and whatever else that comes along with eating meat. Uh, and so uh, he said, it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and Paul's just saying, look, I'm not going to, uh, I know I was joking about uh, I'll eat a slice of bacon right in front of somebody, but if it's really if it's really offensive to somebody, you know I can I can abstain for a while, but I'm not going to abstain my whole life for them even when they're not around. Amen. So so and you got to find the path in in your own life. When when do you do that? When do you don't do it? Right? Uh, do you always abstain, or you know sometimes it's okay to eat it anyway? Uh, because some people are so militant about it, they want to control your life, and if you're not going to control my life, I'm going to live free. Amen. Uh, and I can live free to eat meat. I can live free to not eat meat. Uh, and, and so uh, I don't have a law that I never eat meat in front of a vegetarian. Uh, because remember Miss Sue, when she was here on the earth with us, she was a vegetarian. And it didn't bother her for, didn't bother her for us to eat meat in front of her. Amen. And, and so, and she made some great vegetarian food. So, and I ate some of that too. It was really good. Uh, he said, uh, uh, in verse 22, this, this is where we want to get to, uh, verse 22 and 23, because this is talking about what Jesus was talking about there, about uh, not uh, being weak in faith. He said, Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the things which he alloweth. So, you know, whatever you do, and this is a good, this is a good way to live, whatever you do, you shouldn't do it by condemnation. You shouldn't eat meat uh, because you're condemned by somebody else to eat meat. You shouldn't be a vegetarian because somebody else has condemned you to be a vegetarian. Uh, you should never be motivated by condemnation. Amen. You should be free to live the will of God in your own life as, as you find it. Amen. And I know it has to be judged by the word of God, but uh, if you want to eat meat, then eat meat. Don't be condemned about it. If you want to be a vegetarian, you know, Chris is like 80% vegetarian anyway. Just She just likes vegetables that much. You know, we'll go to Cracker Barrel and she'll get like uh, the, the, the four vegetables, four vegetable, a vegetable plate at Cracker Barrel. 
Like nothing died for that plate. I mean, there's nothing, you know, nothing was murdered for you to eat that food right there. Uh, and and, and uh, I want something that, you know, costs somebody something, right? Uh, and so it's not that I have to eat meat, but, uh, but I do make fun of her about stuff like that. But she'll do, she just, she would like pinto beans and turnip greens and, uh, and then I don't know what else, uh, what else kind of, I don't know, like carrots, you know. I mean, I like carrots, you know. Uh, and so, uh, and, and so uh, do you have faith? You know, have it yourself before God. Don't pressure other people to live your faith. Amen. Whatever your faith is, like an air of healing, I believe God all the time for healing. I, I live in divine health. But I'm not going to say, if, if you go to the doctor, I can't believe you're going to the doctor. What's wrong with you? God will heal you. Well, he will, but if that's not your faith right now, I'm not going to press you into that. I'll believe God with you. Well, then it'll go well. Amen. And, and hopefully with each other, we can say, well, you know, if they're doing it by faith, I bet I can do that by faith. Hopefully our faith should be encouraging each other instead of condemning each other. But in, especially in a charismatic world, uh, you know, we, we got to where we were the, the, uh, uh, the confession police. Oh, don't say that, you know. Uh, and, and we're all the time trying to push our faith on everybody else. Uh, so be careful about that. Uh, then he gets down to verse 23. And this is really the whole key here. It says, and he that doubteth is damned or judged or condemned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. Uh, and so again, if you're, if you're being pressured to eat meat, because, well, there's nothing wrong with that and you're eating it, but you don't really feel like you ought to be eating it, well, then you're, you're in trouble because you're not doing it in faith. Amen? And Paul ends it, the whole statement there. He says, for whatever is not of faith is what? Sin. And this phrase here is, is a really big phrase. It's the very last phrase of the chapter here. So whatever is not of faith is sin. So, uh, so that gets us back to what Jesus was saying, to fret not, take no thought. If you take thought and you're worrying about something, are you in faith about that thing? No, if you're not in faith about it, if you're in worry about it, then what did Paul call that? Call that sin, right? So, so this is how we know that worry is a sin because worry is the opposite of faith, right? Uh, and so Paul calls that a sin. So uh, well, one thing, if you, if you can remember the definition, the correct definition of sin, see, sin is not you've done something that looks bad. Sin is you miss the mark of God. So God says, I want you to live just like this right here. Worry-free, taking no thought, living uh, free in your life to make the choices that I've given to you. Uh, that's the life I want you to live. And along the way, we're going, you know, I just can't do that. I'm going to do this thing over here. Well, that's missing the mark. Now, this thing over here could be morally okay, Right? Well, Lord, I know you wanted me to go to that church, but I'm going to go to this church instead. Well, is there any moral question about that? No moral question about that. Is it perfectly moral to go to church? Well, sure it is. But for the ones you go to that church, uh, but you're going to go to this one instead, well, then you're, you've missed the mark, right? Because the Lord puts the mark, right? That we, we spent some time talking about uh, pressing toward the mark of the book of Philippians chapter 3, talked about pressing toward the mark of the, call of the, uh, of the high calling of Lord Jesus uh, of the Lord in, in Christ Jesus. So we press toward the mark, the goal. So the mark is the goal that the Lord has placed in our life. I want you to live like this. And all the time we'll go, you know, Lord, I, I, I don't want to live like that. I want to live like this over here. And it may be a perfectly moral way to live, but you've missed the mark. Uh, and so you, in that you're in sin, right? That's sin. Missing the mark is sin. Uh, and so th that means the bars are a lot lower than we thought it was, right? Because we thought, well, sin is, you know, 
you know, stealing your food from your grandmother. Well, yeah, that would be sin, but, you know, um, but we're not talking about, you know, things like that. We're talking about what's the plan of God for your life. Uh, and so, so Paul said, for whatever is not of faith is sin. So that, that should in, uh, help us to understand why worry is an issue because it's not of faith. And, and, and Paul says, you've missed the mark of God. And Well, there's nothing wrong with worrying. You've missed the mark. The Lord has a mark for you. I want you to live free from worry, free from taking thought. I want you to live this way. Uh, and and I, just, I just can't quit worrying. Well, then you've missed a mark. And as long as you do that, so there, is there any ramifications to living in sin? Well, sure there is, right? You miss, you, when you're in sin, you, you have constrained the Lord from blessing your life. Amen? Now, just real quick, uh, I think, uh, turn to Galatians uh, chapter 2. To me, this is the best way to explain it because a lot of times people think, well, if I'm in sin, God's going to condemn me. God's not condemning you. If you're in sin, uh, God's going to get me. He's not, he's, not, he's, he's not trying to get you. He's trying to bless you. Amen? Uh, and so Paul said here in uh, Galatians 2.20, um, and, and when we come back next week, we'll, we'll, t- we'll give you some scriptures. Here's how to, how to transition from being a person who worries to a person who never worries. You know, you can live a life where you just never worry about anything. Kids, economy, cars, houses, dogs, cats, uh, whatever. Uh, you, can, you can live a life completely free. So Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. This is Galatians 2.20. Uh, Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. Where do you live? You live in the flesh, right? You live in this natural world. That's where you live, right? I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that goes right along with what he said in Romans chapter 14, that he lives a life of faith. So if he wants to eat meat, he'll eat meat. If he wants to eat all vegetables, he can eat vegetables. And, you know, you can eat vegetables in faith. Amen. You don't have to eat vegetables uh, just because if you eat vegetables, you don't have to just say, well, I must be weak in faith. You know, Chris just likes vegetables. She just loves vegetables. You know, I, I don't understand it at all, but I don't have to understand it. You know, but it's not because she's afraid of eating other meat. Uh, and so he said, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said in verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. I do not frustrate the grace of God. That's the, that's the result of a Christian in sin. You have frustrated the grace of God. The grace of God is there to help you, to bless you, to increase you, to give you the ability to operate in this life successfully. And God's ability to do that is frustrated because we missed the mark. So it's not that he's punishing you. He can't bless you because of your choices. So when people are in sin, they're in worry, they're, but just any sin, right? But, but specifically in, the, in discussion today, if you're in a lot of worry, then the Lord wants to bless you. He's frustrated in being able to do that because of your choices. You ever wanted to do something, help somebody, but you can't because they just, you just can't help them? You want to help them, but you just can't? Well, what, what is that? That's called frustration, right? Especially people that are close to you. You know, you want to, oh, you know, I was going to help them. You know, they, they just don't want to help. They need help, but they don't want to. I don't want any help. You know, I remember uh, growing up, you know, we grew up poor. We grew up on food stamps and we, well, we grew up on, on, food, on subsidized food. Before they had food stamps, they had subsidized food, right? With a little lady in a station wagon come to your house once a month and she'd give you all this food, right? Spam and, and, and uh, powdered eggs and powdered milk. Uh, and it was, most of it was just gross, right? Uh, and so, uh, but the cheese was good. You know, it's it government cheese, pretty good stuff, right? Uh, and so... Uh, but, but uh, I remember my dad saying one time, 
Now, I'm like, you know, I mean, we were still in New Hampshire, so I'm probably like eight years old, 10 years old. And he says, you know, I don't take charity from anybody. Now, as a 10-year-old, as I'm thinking, take the charity. You need help. We need help. You know, and I'm thinking, that's the dumbest thing. And why would you not? You need help, but you don't want to take the help. See, that's pride, right? But see, who's the, what, what's, the, what's the response of the people wanting to help? They're frustrated. Well, I know that family needs help, but they won't take no help. See, so, so somebody has the ability to help. Somebody had the ability to help us. They had the desire to help us. They had the means to help us, but they were frustrated in being able to help us because of the choice of my dad, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, as a 10-year-old, uh, you know, I raised my hand, you know, but he never would call on me. I, I got a question, you know, can I, can I have the floor for just a minute? Uh, he never would call on me. So, so people think, well, the Lord's punishing me because of my sin. No, you, you got it all wrong, 100% wrong. Because, see, what happens a lot of times, people get in sin and things happen. And then they get bitter towards God. They get resentful towards God. You know, I, I know I'm not living for God, but he keeps doing all these things for, to me. He's not doing any of that stuff to you. He, he's, he wants to bless you, get you out of that, but he's frustrated in being able to help, and his hands are tied. So you're, you're kind of on your own, and you really you're under the, 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 uh, the uh, hand of the devil and doing those things. The devil will kill you if he can. But the mercy of God will constrain that, amen, to, to as best he can, he will constrain the work of the enemy in your life. But if, if you just keep doing what you want to do, he's like, I, 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 I'm not able to do it. It's not that he doesn't want to. It's not a, see, because a resentment comes about, the Lord, the Lord wanted me to be punished like this. No, you've never met the Lord. If you think he wants to harm you, you've never met him. All he wants to do is bless you. He sent his own son to the earth to help you. And people are like, you know, why is it so hard? Well, just accept Jesus. Well, I'm not doing that. Well, what do you, what do you, want, to, what do you want the Lord to do? He's, he's given you everything. Well, I don't want it that way. Oh, so now you want to tell the creator how to do his job. Right? That's what people all the time, I'm going to tell God how to do his job. That is, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, right? People all the time trying to second guess God. Uh, and, and yet, uh, you know, the love of God is what motivates him. And here's one of the, the best definitions of love of God. Love of God is that he wants the very best for you. Not what, what you think is the best for you, but what is actually the best for you. Well, the best thing for me is live in sin. No, that's going to cause you harm and, and heartache and anguish. Best thing for you is follow the perfect will of God in your life. That's where all the blessings reside. Uh, and, and fullness of joy. He said you can have fullness of joy. Well, I want fullness of joy and sin. It doesn't work that way, Right? Uh, and, uh, you know, we're not going to get into all that. Uh, there's a whole lot of discussion you can have on that. But the whole point of what worrying, see, worry then, Paul said, whatever is not of faith is sin. So if you're worrying, if you've taken thought about something and you're doing this right here over whatever it is, right? Food, clothes, children, dogs, cats, whatever it is, jobs, houses, cars, whatever. If you're doing this right here, you've taken thought. And if you wake up in the middle of the night, and that's the first thing you think about. When you wake up first thing in the morning, that's the first thing you think about. You've taken that thought. Uh, and, and look, uh, has, has there ever been a Christian who has never taken a thought? I don't know of any so far that I know of. Uh, but what I do, uh, when, when uh, we'll talk next week about you know, some, some scripture foundation for how to avoid this and not ever get in this, but when I catch myself worrying about something, because you know, we, we want, especially... Uh, People around us, we want them to be blessed and to prosper. Amen? People we care about. You know, I care about all of you all in this church. 
And yet there's a lot of times I, I can look at someone and go, they're here. I know exactly where they're going to be in three months. You know, the Lord, the Lord showed me those things. As a pastor of the church, you know, as a shepherd of the sheepfold, the Lord showed me this person is here and in three months they'll be here. And sometimes I can do something about it. Sometimes I'm constrained. I'm not allowed to do anything about it. And, I've, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen it. I know exactly where they are. I know exactly where they're going to be. And, and I'm frustrated. As a, I pray, you know. But at the end of the day, if the Lord said, no, you can't do anything about it. That's, you know how frustrating that it is? Knowing that their spiritual life is going to be a shipwreck in just a few months. And, and I'm unconstrained. I'm not allowed to do anything because of their choices. Now, sometimes the Lord says, you go talk to them. And, and I love that because it gives them an op- it gives them a choice. Amen. But sometimes, you know, you can't, it's, it's so, it's, 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 well, that's what Paul said. It's, fr- I do not frustrate the grace of God. And, and it breaks my heart to see it, especially if, if, if something is not good, right? Uh, you know, this is going to happen. And I can't tell you how many times, uh, here's the thing, here's how kind the Lord is. There are so many times when the Lord will have me say something or speak something uh, into somebody's life, and I don't even know they're doing it, but the Lord will specifically have me say that to help them, and yet they still don't, they don't, take, they don't take it. You know, you know how hard that is for the Lord to see that? That He cares them enough to supernaturally intervene in their life and tell them, here's how to get out of your situation, and they don't take it. And then, they, and then they, they go through the difficult times of their life. Uh, and, then, and then they get resentful to the Lord. And that's just that's so sad, you know. And yet, as a pastor, you know, sometimes you can do something about it. Sometimes you can't. Amen. Uh, and that's, that's the frustrating part of being a pastor is uh, because, you know, it, you don't have to be a prophet to know these things. Oftentimes, the word of God is plenty sufficient to, to show you, hey, they're here. And if they don't change, they're going to be here. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it, where they're going to be is not good. Uh, and, and so, uh, uh, but if, if, if Paul said that, uh, uh, that if you're worrying about these things, see, then, then you're causing frustration at, uh, to the Lord. And you're going to, you have the potential to end up like being Job, right? That which I feared the most has come upon me. Now, did the Lord do it? Everything, if you read the first three chapters of Job, you'll find out it was all, all the devil. The Lord didn't do those things to Job at all. And yet people say, oh, yeah, I'm just like Job. The Lord's doing all these things to me. The Lord did not do a thing. The, the devil, Lucifer, went to him and request permission. And the Lord never gave him permission. If you read the context of it, he never says, I give you permission to do these things in Job. All the Lord says, behold, he's in your hand. He never said, I put him in your hand. Who put him in, in the devil's hand? Job's fear put himself in the hand of the devil. And the Lord said, it's not that, the, see, the, why did the Lord tell him that? Well, the, the devil would have figured out anyway, because the devil's always poking around the edges. Is, is, there a, is there a chink in the armor? Is there, oh, I got this big gaping hole. I can walk into his life right now. And, and he would have figured it out. The Lord just said, hey, he's already there. He said, behold, he's in your hand. The devil didn't even have enough uh, wisdom or understanding to understand that the, Job was already in his hand. Why? Because Job lived in fear. He took thought. He worried and fretted continually, right? Remember what it says? He did these things, did he continually? And people that worry, they worry continually. And so uh, I was going to tell you what, what I do about that whenever I catch myself worrying. And, and you know, it does happen, right? Sometimes about people in a church, sometimes family members, sometimes about just situations. Uh, I'll catch myself. And first thing I always do, without exception, I always repent. 
But I, I ask you to forgive me for worrying. Because worry is of little faith. You said worry is a little faith. In fact, you called it worry sin in Romans chapter 14. So Lord, I, I repent for my sin. I repent for worrying and not trusting in you. And then I followed what we'll talk about next week about casting all my cares on him. Lord, you can t- take care of it then. I'm, I'm not dealing, I'm never going to take another thought about it. I'm not going to take any, you take care of it. You, you deal with it however you want to. Uh, and and then, then see, then he has a, see when I do that, then he has the right and the privilege to operate in that, intervene in that situation. Before that, he's constrained in, in intervening in his situation because of my worry. My worry constrains him uh, to operate in my life. Uh, and so it's not by choice. He's not doing it. Well, I'm not helping you. It's not by choice. He cannot override our will. Uh, when you want to worry about it, he's like, just let me know when you want me to help. Just call anytime. Amen. You know, some people will never call. They'll never make that call. Call me anytime you want to help. Well, I don't want to bother you. You know, uh, uh, I'll say this, we'll go, you know, even in the church, I tell people, just call me anytime. Well, I don't want to bother you. That's literally my job. I mean, you know, as a pastor of the church, literally my job, right? Uh, well, I don't want to bother you. Well, that, that's on you, not on me. You know, you get to heaven, Lord, why don't, why don't I get that? Well, you, I told you to call the pastor. Well, I don't want to bother him. He, you know, I'm, I'm a, I got a twin. Now, look, if you're being annoying, right, call me up at, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning. Hey, did, did Adam have a belly button? Shut up. I'm going to, you know, go back to bed, right? We're not, we're not about being foolish, right? But if you really need help, you should call. Amen. Now, look, if you don't have to call, it's fine, right? I mean, I teach enough faith around here. If you just listen, 99% of your problems will just get resolved by the word we teach. Amen. Uh, and so... Uh, it's all right either way amen and so uh, I, I repent lord I, I, I ask you to forgive me for worrying and then i roll over and go right back to sleep amen i sleep good every night every single night uh don't you worry about anything no, i don't worry about nothing well don't you worry about me nope <laughs> you know well you don't love me very much you don't worry about me that's not the, that's not the definition of love amen i'll pray for you that's the definition of love amen i believe god for you that's the definition of love i will do anything for you uh but I'm not going to worry about you for a second. Now, well, what if I go to sin? Not my problem. Right? I won't worry about it at all. Uh, amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for, for today's word. So, Father, we do thank you for the word. And we thank you, Father, for being good to us and blessing us and being kind to us. And, Father, you said that we have the right and the privilege to, to take no thought. So, Father, there's no thought of any cir- situation or circumstance that requires us to, to take that and to think about it, and to meditate on it, and go over it, and over it, and over it in our minds, Father. There's no thought worthy, worthy of that. And if we find ourselves doing that, Father, we will, we will catch ourselves, and we will repent of that. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, you know, like I said earlier, the Word of God should not condemn you. Amen. He did say it's sin, but that shouldn't condemn you. That should encourage you. Well, then I don't have to live that way. Amen. Uh, and so well, let's get ready to receive uh, this morning's offering. And, I, and I'll tell you the story. Brother Hagen always told the story about, uh, you know, he learned, he said his family was world-class professional warriors. Mother was a warrior. His grandmother was a warrior. And that's what he grew up with. And he saw all that, you know. And, and at some point in time, he realized even when he was on his deathbed uh, before he got healed, that he was a world-class warrior just like them. So he said, Lord, I will never worry again the rest of my life. So he learned that as a teenager. Uh, and then come ahead, Mr. Jared. And so uh, he got saved, he got, got healed, uh, and then eventually got married. And, and his wife didn't know anything about that, didn't know anything about living worry-free. And so they had, even had kids, right? By that time, they had kids. And, and um, they're coming back from somewhere. They're on the front porch of their house. 
And she said, you know, I guess you wouldn't worry if me and the kids just fell dead right here on the front porch. He said, well, it'd be a little bit late to worry about it then, wouldn't it? Uh, they're already dead. And so <laughs> I don't know how long he had to sleep on the couch after that, but, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, uh, uh, you, you have a right to live without worry. Amen. No worry whatsoever about kids, you know, especially family, you know, as relationships with people. There's a lot of worry in those types of things. Amen. You don't ever have to worry about that. What if they, what if they made the wrong choice? I mean, you know, it just... Uh, believe God that the Lord will protect him. Amen. Praise God. Uh, well, let's get ready to eat. Amen. And uh, uh, Mr. Tony, you want to say the blessing over food and then we'll eat. Father in heaven, we thank you so much today, Lord, for your word that we have feasted on today. We're truly grateful for that, Lord Pastor. Father, we have only asked for your blessing upon the food today that we provide that it's provided soon. Pray, Father, you bless it by your hand, Lord. Cause it to be good for us and every week. Father, that our body to be whole. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And just real quick, Mr. Jerry wanted to say one thing, and then, then and then Jerry, you dismiss us, and we'll eat. Okay. okay.